Welcome to the Remote Pilot Association podcast. Today's podcast title, Drone Tips, Test Flights, and Maintenance Log, 007 of our podcast series. I'm T.C. Freeman, your host and chief instructor. wanted to start out with a story. I have this drone. I'll, I'll not say which uh, brand it is, but it's a popular brand and just riddled with uh, battery issues. It's a, it's a large drone and just doesn't have a great battery life and I have a small fortune invested in it. I saw an idea though online. It was to purchase an external battery carrier basically. So you could use a little bit uh, more more output, more capacity type battery. It was a little carriage that snapped onto the landing gear that you carried underneath the drone. And that's a good example of maintenance that needs to be documented in a maintenance log. So a maintenance log is a, a record. It could be a physical type of log, uh, which is kind of the old school manned way, uh, just a, a basic log book for maintenance. And then it could be something as simple as like an Excel sheet or even, you know, just logging it on on basically a calendar, maybe tagging it with maintenance on the drone, just depending on how sophisticated your operation is. But need be the FAA, or as it says in the regulations, the administrator can request to review that. And don't freak out. That's probably uh, only a situation that will happen in light of maybe perhaps an accident or incident, and then they'll want to check your documentation at that point. Very rare. They would just willy-nilly come by and say, hey, we want to see your maintenance logs. Actually, it'd probably have to be a more formalized process than that. So typically, you'll get a letter saying, hey, we want to review your maintenance logs and your you know pilot logbook and that sort of thing. But getting back to a maintenance log, what is it? Basically, if you have any, you know, preventative maintenance, part for placement, modifications such as that under the drone, you know, battery type situations, or any safety recalls, which in the man world or for larger, more sophisticated drones, they were called airworthiness directives. And I usually equate that to automobiles. When you have a safety recall, it's basically a situation like that. Now, these must be done via the manufacturer's directives or in lieu of that, it's industry best practices. So it's kind of a hierarchy there of how to handle the maintenance on your drone. As we said, the administrator can request a review maintenance records, but that is kind of a rare thing. So the uh, FAA test questions uh, on this topic about adding or, or modifying a drone, I would say maybe perhaps correlates to an increase in accidents uh, or incidents. And I would venture to say it's probably related more to weight and balance issues. So uh, what is weight and balance? Well, if you think about a standard quadcopter, it's being able to imagine being able to pick that up unpowered, you know, uh, by a center point, which is typically center of the mass there. So where if you follow the props in towards the center of the main frame or fuselage and attach a string, if you will, to that point, that would be the, the center of gravity. And when those gets too far out of parameters, and most of our simple drones we're flying, you know, are, don't have sophisticated uh, calculations, but as you move up in drones and in a manned aircraft, they will. And I'll give you an illustration of this. 
and give you an example of probably what's happening out there. But when folks purchase these heavy cameras, so they might, you know, have somebody that does some cinematography with fancy cameras, you know, for for film, for, you know, Hollywood type films and has, you know, large zoom type lenses, large lenses that protrude away from that center point of the mass or the CG. Well, that's perhaps a setup for having center of gravity issues. And that means the aircraft can go out of control, be uncontrollable. Because imagine this, like trying to hold up a 10 pound weight and extend your arm out you know, at all the way and holding that for a long time, that's hard to do. So that's because that weight's away from the, your body's center of gravity. So what do most people do to carry out heavy weight is they'll bring that in closer to their body and that brings it closer aligned to the center of gra- their center of gravity and makes it easier to carry. Another example of this would be if you've seen helicopters that do cable loads, basically, they have a cable on the bottom of the, the aircraft and they're hauling something. I saw I saw this up in Alaska in very remote areas. They use helicopters almost like trucks, you know, and, and so they were taking some a very large pallet of wood up this river to perhaps a cabin. I just visualized a, a cabin of some sort that they're working on. But if you notice, they'll typically have that cable attached to a point that's right under the main rotor system, which is typically where the CG resides. So if it's anything you know further than that, well, that could be an issue. Or if you have a load that starts to swing, well, what's that center of gravity going to do? It's going to go away from that center mass, and it's probably with the momentum, momentum be a net effect to a, a heavier weight. But that's a little beyond the scope of what we're talking about here. Like we said, a maintenance log could be traditional, just something paper that you write up. I would say this day and age is probably just as easy to do an electronic version, a cheap way to do it very inexpensive way is just to use a spreadsheet, Excel spreadsheet of some sort, and that is for each aircraft. Now, one important thing that we've learned from aviation are test flights and the documentation of test flights. Now, these aren't necessarily like test flights for research and development. You know, it's not like experimental type aircraft, which, I mean, it could be, but for our purposes, it's basically anytime you do maintenance on it. Say you just decide to switch out all of your your propellers or rotors and switch them to like newer, quieter ones or what have you, well, that should necessitate a test flight because there's nothing worse than showing up on a mission site, you know, for a customer, for a paying type flight. And there's maybe risk factors with people around and all that and to have something go wrong because the pilot neglected to test fly the aircraft and document that outside the scope of a mission in a controlled area. So that's very important to do that. And this has to be documented. In the man world, they call this returning the aircraft to service. And that's really been a confusing thing for a lot of pilots because they kind of hold those maintenance logs for official airframe and power plant mechanics, you know. And when they say, oh, the pilot actually returns it to service. Well, that's the function of a test flight, basically, is that that's sort of that check mark, that final sign off that says, hey, we're ready to return this to service. And this aircraft is what we call, quote, unquote, airworthy or worthy of the air is a good way to think about that. Now, just use common sense when it comes to test flights. And I would say, you know, you just need a 
secure area, you're out flying and it's got to be, you know, well away, typically good just to, if you got a, a home base, basically you're testing that, that aircraft. So maybe do some short, very short takeoffs and landings, power up. Let's say we're doing that switch out of the, the propellers or rotors, and we're going to just do short hops. So I think in the ultralight world, they call those crow hops, but you're just taking off, going up a few feet. And, you know, that just gains confidence in the drone's airworthiness and mechanical worthiness to make sure that they're it's ready for regular flights, and, and especially before you go out on a paid flight. The other thing with that is anticipating flight direction. So the part of those kind of common sense things is if you do those little crow hops and then you're building up, well, are you, as you take off and do a direction of flight, kind of anticipate where that track is going to be and make sure it's not towards people. So in the aerobatic flying world, they'll have what they call an aerobatic box. So basically it's just a, a box area for approved flying. Now they have had issues though, where let's say for instance, if you visualize a runway, well, that's where the, all the activity is happening and then the crowds on the other side of the runway. So if a aircraft comes up perpendicular to the crowd and then it makes a quick turn, well, it's exciting for the crowd, but if something happens, let's just say catastrophic failure, which way is that energy going? And that energy could go potentially to the crowd. So I've seen that uh, play out with the FAA that was monitoring an aerobatic uh, air show and said, hey, you know, this is something we're, we're seeing here. It needs to be corrected. And, you know, they were they had a valid, valid point in that situation there. So again, make sure you log those maintenance and test flights, and you could do that right in the in the maintenance log. Um, I guess the pilot could, you know, just note, notate it in their their own pilot logbook as well. There's also the distinction between you have aircraft hours and you have pilot hours, so you can track how many hours are on that actual aircraft itself, and you can actually get to the point where you're tracking motor like life, for instance. So how quickly are you having to switch motors out? And it can be some good data there to be able to track that information. So, all right. So just remember incorporating those uh, man principles. I think as time goes on, we're going to be looking more and more like the man world, especially when you start getting into larger, more sophisticated drones. If you think about those category three and four drones that they talk about with flight over people. Well, a lot of those incorporate, you know, not only parachute systems, but also some of those more official maintenance procedures and protocols that certified aircraft have to do on a normal basis there. So you can track your drone hours on the whole drone itself. You can do the uh, airframe, you can track the motors and that sort of thing. So if you're separating out motors, it's and it can get down to the minutia there, tracking new parts like motors, you know, they can have separate hours that, that they tr you track for accuracy there. And this can come in handy. Let's say there's some sort of safety recall and you say, OK, well, what was that that serial number on that motor that you just installed? Well, if you document that properly, it maybe relieves you of that burden of having to take that motor back out and check what the serial number is and then put it back in because those manufacturer derived safety recalls are, are important and you need to comply with those for sure. All right. So on this topic, 
We just want to reiterate that it's important to have those basic safety practices. You know, you're logging that maintenance, considering logging the aircraft time, depending on, you know, how sophisticated your drones are and realizing that this might be a, a good way to just track simply your maintenance. That's what we'll encourage you to do and meet that regulation requirement, but realize that they're as you move up or maybe get some more sophisticated drones, ones that are certified aircraft, if you will, it uh, will incorporate some of these other type aspects to aircraft maintenance. Hey, we want to hear what you think. Uh, how do you log your drone maintenance and log your aircraft hours? Also, you know, as far as your logbook uh, procedures and incorporating your test flights. This is T.C. Freeman, your chief flight instructor and host of the Remote Pilot Association podcast, where we have a passion for helping commercial drone pilots and aspiring pilots to earn FAA Remote Pilot Drone Certification, where we have a video course with online quizzes and tests to get you prepared for that knowledge test for the FAA to earn Remote Pilot Certification. You can go to remotepilotassociation.com main homepage to sign up for our free newsletter and you'll get information on our podcasts like this, our blogs, and then also industry news, regulations, and keep you up to date on educational topics that are centered around the remote pilot certification test and recurrent test. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Remote Pilot Association podcast. Podcast.